Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Ladies and gentlemen, please stand by. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Medical Facilities Corporation 2021 Third Quarter Results Conference Call. After the, rebar- the management's remarks, this call will include a question and answer session whereby qualified equity analysts will be permitted to ask questions. Before turning the call over to management, listeners are reminded that certain statements made today in today's call, including Responses to questions may contain forward-looking statements within the meaning of the safe harbor provisions of Canadian provincial security laws. Forward-looking statements involve risks and uncertainties, and undue reliance should not be placed on such statements. Certain material factors or assumptions are applied in making forward-looking statements, and actual results may differ materially from those expressed or implied in such statements. For information about factors that may cause actual results to differ materially from expectations and about material factors or assumptions applied in making forward-looking statements, please consult the MD&A for this quarter in the Risk Factors section of the Annual Information Forum and Medical Facilities Other Filings with Canadian Security Regulators. Medical Facilities does not undertake to update any forward-looking statements. Such statements speak only as of the date made. Please note that today's call is being broadcast live over the internet and the webcast will be available for replay beginning approximately one hour of the completion of the call. Details on how to access the webcast replay are available in the morning's news release announcing the company's financial results. I would now like to turn the meeting over to Rob Harar, President and CEO of Medical Facilities. Please go ahead, Mr. Horror. Thank you, Operator. Good morning and welcome to our third quarter earnings call. Joining me today is David Watson, our Chief Financial Officer. Earlier this morning, we released our third quarter results. Our news release, financial statements, and MDNA may be accessed through our website at www.medicalfacilitiescorp.ca and have been filed with CDAR today. We were pleased with our continued solid financial results over the first nine months of 2021. Despite a surge in COVID-19 cases across the United States in the third quarter, our revenues were in line with Q3 of last year when we experienced a strong rebound in surgical case volumes following the first wave of the pandemic. Our volumes this quarter were short of 2019 and were also impacted in the loosening of travel restrictions and the corresponding increase and provider vacations. Regardless for the first nine months of 2021, our facility service revenue is up 12.2%, income from operations is up 12.3%, and our EBITDA is up 7.3%. We've improved our financial flexibility during this time and have reduced our debt significantly over the past two years. As a result of this and our continued strong cash flow performance, 
We were pleased this morning to announce a 15% increase to our quarterly dividend, commencing with the fourth quarter dividend. The dividend is an important part of our commitment to maximizing total shareholder return. Additionally, the Board of Directors has approved implementing a normal course issuer bid for up to 5% of the corporation's issued and outstanding common shares, subject to the approval of the TSX. The fourth quarter is typically our busiest time of the year, and we remain cautiously optimistic about our outlook. We are monitoring volume recovery closely and are encouraged by the recent downward trend in new COVID cases across much of the United States. We also remain focused on our growth and continue to evaluate opportunities in our pipeline. With that, I would like to turn the call over to David to review our financial results for the quarter. David. Thanks, Rob, and good morning, everyone. I'll discuss our financial performance for the quarter and provide an update on our balance sheet and liquidity. But first, I'd like to remind everyone that all dollar amounts expressed in today's call are U.S. dollars, unless stated otherwise. Facility service revenue for the quarter totaled $96.4 million, a slight increase compared to the third quarter of last year, which, as Rob mentioned, benefited from a strong recovery in cases after pandemic restrictions were lifted. Our case volumes are down 2% from the same quarter last year. Although inpatient cases declined 21%, outpatient cases were up 0.7% and observation cases increased by 31.6%. Our total revenue and other income for the quarter was $99 million, an increase of 0.2 million, or 0.2%, from 98.8 million for the same period in 2020. Government stimulus income was in line with the same period last year. Operating expenses for the quarter totaled $82.5 million, representing an increase of $1.2 million, or 1.5%, compared to the third quarter of last year. Consolidated salaries and benefits were higher as a result of annual increases, as well as industry-wide labor market pressures. The most significant expense variance was higher share-based compensation costs, which increased by $1.4 million, driven by the strong appreciation in our share price. As a percentage of total revenue and other income, operating expenses increased to 83.3% from 82.2% for the comparable period. EBITDA for the quarter was 23.3 million, or 23.6% of revenue, compared to 24.6 million, or 24.8% of revenue in the third quarter of last year. During the quarter, we generated cash available for distribution to like 7.5 million Canadian dollars, resulting in a payout ratio of 29.2% compared to 17.1% in the prior year. We approached the end of the year with a strong balance sheet, improved financial flexibility, and cash flow performance. As of September 30th, we had approximately $63 million of cash and equivalents. The outstanding balance in our corporate line of credit was $31 million at quarter end. Inclusive of lease liabilities, our net debt to equity stands at 0.51. We continue to be very well resourced to capitalize on potential growth opportunities, and our leverage remains significantly lower than our U.S. trading peers. Having weathered the most significant impact of the COVID pandemic, we believe we are well positioned to increase the return of capital our shareholders, as indicated by the 15% increase in our quarterly dividend announced this morning as well as our intention to file for approval of a normal course issuer bid of up to 5% of the corporation's issued and outstanding common shares. This concludes my financial review for the quarter. For additional detail on our financial results, including specific results for each facility, please refer to our MDNA. With that, we'd now like to open the line for questions. Operator? 
Ladies and gentlemen, if you would like to ask a question, please signal by pressing star 1 on your telephone keypad. Just keep in mind if you are using a speakerphone, please make sure your mute function is released to allow your signal to reach our equipment. Once again, for questions today, star 1. We will pause to allow everyone an opportunity to signal. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. And we will hear first from Andre Leno with Canada National Bank. Hey, uh, good morning. Uh, thanks for taking my questions. Uh, I'll start with the first one. Uh, where are the cases, uh, or where were they in Q3 versus the pre-pandemic? The um, so compared to pre-pandemic. Uh, surgical case volume is down for the quarter 6% compared to 2019. And, well, and, go ahead. Uh, well, uh, I, I was just going to ask, I mean, uh, yeah. it, it's still, it, so that's 6% pre-pandemic, and then you're adding another 2% from last year, or does that 6% below also include that uh, the, the 2% decrease that you saw from last year? Not sure I understand the question, Andrew. We're we're down on a quarter to quarter basis. Third quarter of twenty one is down two percent compared to two, third quarter of two thousand twenty. And compared to two thousand nineteen, we're down six percent. Okay. Okay, no, that's that's great. That, that's that's good uh that's good detail there. So just a little uh, uh, yeah. Well, I'm just gonna say a little color around that. We we called out, you know, it was a strong kind of a, a, a third quarter last year as all the restrictions lifted and there was quite a bit of volume that was coming through, Andrew. Uh, additionally, you know, we've seen, you know, the Delta variant, this third quarter was an issue and then we called out some provider, after a pretty couple strong quarters, we had some providers that just took a break after the restrictions were lifted. So that's just sort of some uh, edit flow there. Okay, no, thank you. Uh, and would you say those are also the main reasons why you are not yet at pre-pandemic levels or is uh, is there any more deferred care, or are the surgeries being performed elsewhere? 
No, I, I think this is we, we know that there are deferred care. We see that a little bit, and you, you, you see that in some of the payer mix changes. You know, typically higher acuity cases are deferring through a, a, a difficult surge with the Delta variant. So there will be some additional cases for that. So, um, no, we, we're not seeing any issues on out migration for that. Surge or another outbreak on that. I mean, we were, we continue to it continues to recover. You know, as I said, it was just an unusual quarter. After two strong quarters, we we sort of you know uh, took a pause there. We we look looking where we are right now. It looks uh, it looks you know pretty good going into the fourth quarter. We're 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 fairly cautiously optimistic on the on the fourth quarter. Okay. No, thank you. That leads up in my next question. I mean that that. that Good color for Q4. I mean, are you able to share any uh, more detail there? Like, would you be 95% uh, below uh, or, or or closer to 100% pre-pandemic in Q4 so far? I don't know if you can share. No, really, we, we're not there yet, Andrea. I think we just we've got a, a, a little bit of visibility, of course, on October, and it looks like uh, you know typically the, the the way our seasonality goes is that longer closer to the latter half of the quarter. Uh, it continues to pick up with December historically being, you know, the most significant part of that. So, you know, right now we're seeing early indications that we're, we're going to be in line. Okay. No, thank you. Uh, my, my next question is, uh, it relates to the dividend increase. Uh, and the question I have is that if you are not yet at pre-pandemic levels, but Let's say we expect them sometime next year, but why increase the dividend at this point uh, and not not wait until you get back to 2019 levels? Yeah, Andrew, that, that's a good question. Um, you know, I think when you look at our balance sheet, our our balance sheet just continues to, to strengthen. Um, you know, debt level uh, continues to go down. You know, uh, we've got plenty of capacity in our line of credit. Our cash position is very good, so we just felt it was the right time. Uh, given the strength of balance sheet and our um, you know, comfort with the outlook going forward, uh, we didn't feel that it was necessary to, to continue waiting. Okay, no, that, that, that's good. And uh, as I tie, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna tie that dividend increase, and then you're saying the improving balance sheet, which it has, and, and it's great. Uh, but are you seeing any changes in uh, in, in growth opportunities, be it, uh, either for M&A or, or perhaps expansions? No changes. You know, we feel, again, we're, our objective is a competitive and a sustainable dividend. And along with the ability to fund our growth projects, and our pipeline does remain very active and very, and, you know, you look at a lot of opportunities and you pass on, a bit, you know, the, the de novos that we've called out before take time to develop and syndicate and develop the relationships to, to move forward. And so, you know, we don't see any changes in the opportunities, if nothing else, if nothing we've seen, it's an increase in um, in that. Okay. Uh, are, are, thank you. Uh, are you able to provide any color, like, let's say, versus vis-a-vis uh, Last quarter, like Q2. I mean, have you advanced any more LOIs or have any talked any discussions on new de novos moved forward and any color you can share there? 
Yeah, we have quite a few discussions, Henry, and you know, quite honestly, in the acquisition, especially in, in this business, you're, you're partnering with physicians and, and, and in a lot of cases, healthcare systems, and some opportunities just take time to germinate and gain enough interest to move forward, and some, quite honestly, don't materialize. So the activity around that is is is, uh, is significant, along with you know due diligence and, and things like that. So you know, we you know we walk away from a whole lot more than we. Uh, after, then we actually get uh, brought to ground, but again, it continues to uh, to develop, and our pipeline is still very active. We will now move on to our next question from Chelsea Stellick with IA Capital Markets. Hi, thank you for taking my questions today. Um, I think Andrea asked most of them, but uh, just in terms of the, uh, you know, outpatient cases, they seem to be in line with with what was. In the past, but I'm just wanting additional color on why we saw, you know, the 21% decrease in inpatient cases. Yeah, I think I hate Chelsea's David. Um, you know, Rob touched on it um, with the you know, part of it. I think is the spike in COVID cases and you know some of those higher acuity cases uh, just holding back and uh, you know deciding they're going to defer uh, that care temporarily, but. Um, you know, in addition, uh, you know, there there is more of a, a uh, trend to cases being done in uh, on as outpatient cases. So there's some of that also. And so is that something like we're probably going to see next quarter, like a continuation of outpatient cases growing and inpatient cases kind of being constrained? You know, when you look at it on a you know, year-to-date, um, it's, it's, you know, less, you know, on a year-to-date basis, the inpatient case volume is down, you know, a little under 9%. So right now, it just seems to be a third-quarter phenomena. Um, I don't anticipate that uh, we'll see the same, you know, same level uh, that we saw in the third quarter. Okay. All right. Thank you. And I, I guess just the last one. Uh, is it safe to say that you know that we see de novo ASC developments coming in before any large acquisitions in the next six months? That's sort of the yep. focus. Sure. Chelsea, I'll just you know just say again we've got a we've got a, a lot of opportunities that we're looking at and uh, just really wouldn't put a time frame on that right now. Great, thank you so much. And as a reminder, everyone, star one if you would like to ask a question. We do have a follow-up question from Andre Leno with Canada National Bank. Hey, uh, th thanks for the follow-up. Uh, just, just one last uh, one for me. If you guys can talk a bit about labor tightness uh, and, and how is this impacting you, if at all, especially nursing uh, that we hear is pretty tight out there. No, I think that's that's a good uh, question, Andrew, and it's certainly uh, very topical right now across across the, uh, the the labor market in general, and specifically healthcare. You know, I just tell you that there there are there are pressures on wage right now and retention, and we're not unique. Healthcare is not unique. It's it's uh, not really necessarily even geographic. It's fairly widespread, uh, and. Right now, I would tell you that uh, we we will see some near-term pressure on on uh, on costs. We don't have any barriers right now. No uh, uh, 
we don't expect any impact going into the fourth quarter, but we will probably see some, a little bit of headwind on some interim costs to make sure that uh, you know, we, we still maintain our staffing. Uh, but there's there's definitely that. We also, Andre, I think for the most part, and our peers have called this out too, we expect that that will hopefully normalize into 2022. It's, um, but it's uh, it's a little bit of a headwind on the on the near term. Oh, thank you. That's it for me. Thanks. Okay. We'll now hear from Doug Lowe with Lade Jones Gable. Yeah, yeah. Good morning, gentlemen. Thanks uh, for taking my question. Just, just kind of following on from uh, Henri's question about uh, labor market constraints. In your MDNA, you flagged that Sioux Falls experienced some softness in worker compensation uh, surgical cases, and uh, strikes me as though that might be that might be a trend that could also continue into 2022. So I was just kind of wondering what uh, what sort of trends you might be seeing on softness in that category of procedure, and whether or not that might not be necessarily specific to Sioux Falls going forth. You know, Doug, right now I think I think it's a one quarter um, aberration. Um, I, I'm not ready to say that's a you know an ongoing trend. I think we'll continue to monitor carefully, but uh, certainly had had some impact in the quarter, but uh, not something that that we're anticipating is going to be a, a ongoing issue. Okay, no, good stuff. Thanks. That's it for me. Very good. Yeah, sure. Next question will come from Sahil Dingra with RBC Capital Markets. Hi, this is Sahil Dingra for Douglas Mean. Uh, I had one question. In terms of the government stimulus, uh, it has increased quarter over quarter. Do you have any uh, timeline or what, should, what would be the uh, future run rate for this? Yeah, so the um, government stimulus was up a little under $200,000 on a quarter over quarter basis. Uh, we currently have about uh, $1.5 million uh, that's deferred on the balance sheet and will be recognized in future quarters. Uh, beyond that, uh, you know, pending uh, some new stimulus program, we don't anticipate seeing you know, ongoing uh, stimulus. Thank you. Sure. And at this time, there is no additional questions. I will turn the call back over to Rob Harar for closing remarks. Thank you. In closing, we'd like to thank our physician partners, nurses, and all team members who deliver outstanding care to patients each and every day. And as always, we look forward to reporting on our progress again next quarter. With that, ladies and gentlemen, this does conclude your conference for today. We do thank you for your participation. You may now disconnect. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.
Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.